no. Oh, my baby. No, don't Rocket, leave Rocket, please. What happened to you? Oh, Nebula. Who hurt you? <laughs> Oh, Whose that's blood Rocket. is that? That's Rocket's oh, blood. Oh, no! No! Welcome back to New Rockstars, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We will reveal the origin of Rocket and his scars, but by now we know the High Evolutionary, Herbert Windham, had something to do with this, but how exactly did Herbie master artificial intelligence? And if it's not artificial, where did Rocket's soul come from? No! Oh, what, what the, the f***? Hey, at the same time hey, we did it! Hey, thank you! This is Inside Marvel. It's New Rockstar's weekly Marvel reaction show. We are live here in the New Rockstar studio. First time the three of us yes. have ever shared a set together. In the flesh. In the flesh. I'm Eric Foss with me. It's Jessica Clements and MT. Welcome hey. to New Rockstar studio. I'm MT. so excited to be here, everybody. I'm going to be so annoying in real life. <laughs> He pinched the hell out of me. No one saw that. He pinched me. <laughs> I said, I didn't even say pinch me, I'm dreaming. He pinched me. <laughs> Call the police. No, in today's episode, <laughs> we're talking about. He said, absolutely not. No. <laughs> we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but in how really there's more to Rocket's history mm. than we really theorized. Mm. Do you theorize? Oh. <laughs> All the time. Uh, <laughs> I liked it though. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have sighed. I liked it. It was good. Ten out of ten. Well, it's really reference to the uh, the Comic Con trailer, which wasn't the trailer that released wide. Um, that was the Flaming Lips song. That's not really the song that's on everyone's <laughs> mind right now. So that was my mistake. One of many mistakes we'll probably make in this episode. Uh, but let's start with our question: Where do we think Rocket's soul came from? The soul. Mm. The soul. Because it's more or less confirmed that Guardians Volume Three, from that trailer, that Herbert Windham, the High Evolutionary, is the the man behind the curtain behind right. the origin of Rocket. Right. In Volume right. Two, Yondu referred to quote them scientists what made you a nonsense <laughs> mush mouth phrase. Uh, and at Comic Con. Chukwudi Uiji, in character and in costume as Herbert Windham, talked about, quote, dissecting beings to see what he can learn, wanting to find the perfect being. So yeah, it sounds like he's he's part of the operation. Maybe he's associating with the Enclave or runs the Enclave, or maybe he just did it by himself with his own group of scientists. But, you know, Rocket is not a raccoon. He is an artificial being. Mm -hmm. um, he was something else that was engineered genetically and then cybernetically enhanced thereafter. Um, but the question is, was he born with artificial intelligence or the capacity for artificial intelligence? Mm. Um, and what other uh, evolved life forms, uh, you know, or does he have what other evolved life forms have, what we call a soul? Because he has the skull and the brain size of a raccoon. Right. Um, does he have enough brain matter in there to have complex thoughts, feelings, and memories that constitute the soul? I think based off what we've seen so far, yes. Mm. But let's consider some possible origins for souls and AI in the MCU. Uh, Vision has a soul because he got the soul stone, not the soul stone, the mind stone, excuse right. me. The mind stone had artificial intelligence that imbued uh, what we consider a soul to be. Mm -hmm. And then use, Wanda, using her chaos magic, was able to replicate that. So we have that. We have celestial DNA and celestial light, what kind of gives all of us our souls, yeah. we think, right. in the MCU. But there's also something that we might consider the X gene, a violation, a mutant gene, a violation to the celestial uh, plan for all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, do we think that Rocket's soul could have uh, we're gonna find out how exactly he has like complex thoughts, feelings, and emotions and memories. Yeah, uh, one hundred percent. I think that that's why the high evolutionary is gonna be in this movie because, like, we know from Guardians One when they're sort of like scanning Rocket um, during the the prison, the jail. Yeah, the Xandar booking uh, sequence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you see, like his his like they get a like a scan of his brain and like you like yeah he was cybernetically and like enhanced and I feel like we're gonna learn that the high evolutionary 
took all these lab rats and enhanced their minds mm -hmm. and like gave him the ability to 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 feel and to be and like it's going to be just a story about the human brain and how like how it how it ties into evolution mm. and um we sort of got like a primer for that in iron man 3 with killian um mm. he was like hey like um the human brain was meant to be upgraded and i think that you know considering that herbert windham is originally from earth i think that killian was potentially continuing herbert windham's um, research from when he was on the planet. Um, and so it's really going to be all about, you know, just how um, intelligent, how like feelings and emotions are tied to um, a, an intelligent brain with a heart um, in mm -hmm. the MCU. Um, but yeah. Sure. Do you think that when um, the high evolutionary was creating them, that he also made a situation where it's like, yeah, they have their own mind, but I also have a more of their mind. Like if they have the left brain, he has the right brain kind of mm. thing, sort of thing. Because I like the idea that um, it's like, yeah, they evolve their brains, but wouldn't you think they'd evolve their brains to want freedom and to yeah. want to be exactly. away from this man? But maybe he has something that uh, controls that portion of it. And maybe that thing is empathy. Maybe oh. what, what brings Rocket back is like missing Lila or thinking that Lila might still be imprisoned and he needs Ooh. to free her. I mean, this this kind of, I mean, that's a pretty horrifying thought, right? Mm -hmm. That like, uh, that empathy is uh, a form of shackles on all of us. Yeah. That really freedom is a detachment from want or from mm -hmm. need. Uh, but yeah. like our connection to each other is what binds us mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of a trap. Right. I think the more scary part about that is the fact that the high evolutionary is constantly seeking the perfect being, but he doesn't have what makes the perfect human being. So oh, if sure. he's missing empathy, he's forcing it upon other people and just being like, I don't understand this, and then torturing them. Yeah, I think thematically, that's exactly what James Gunn's been trying to tell us with mm -hmm. everything he has made, is that our imperfections are is what is more beautiful about us. Right. Perfection is horrifying and ugly and disgusting, and we should it's not an ideal that we should aspire toward. But really, uh, what's beautiful about us is how we're flawed. Right. And I think the idea of Adam Warlock is at the far end of that spectrum of perfection, but it seems like he's, you know, the way Will Poulter has described the character, a newborn infantile. He doesn't have that kind of complex empathy yet. He's just right. kind of like more id right. and reactionary. Um, so maybe that's kind of what freaks them out is like that that uh, toiling toward perfection is really a curse. And really, we should just celebrate how we're flawed and broken. Exactly. I mean, like that was the whole crux of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where it's like, you could be a god and like you could be a perfect being live forever and then he's like no i, I just want to be human because like i, I don't care sure. about being flawed and being like going to die one day like this is it's worth it you know mm -hmm. like to have a family and to and even even if it's all fleeting yeah are we also uh assuming that if rocket didn't have a soul the rest of the other advanced like animals that are on that planet also don't have souls see i had to i think rocket does have a soul and i think they have a soul yeah. too i was trying to distinguish because they don't speak like the common language they have their own right. language um but they wear clothes they get mm. mad when a girl gets pegged in the face with a kickball <laughs> so i think that they have the same kind of human empathy the complex thought they, right. they're able to drive cars and like uh, understand what mail is because there's mm. a postal yeah. delivery worker um so i think uh if we're talking about where souls come from I think, uh, realistically, Herbert Wyndham must have the ability to advance a being's mind mm. uh, in a way that um, tells us something about what the human mind is. And Empty, you were talking about like the brain, mm. and what did we learn about uh, ego? Ego was a floating brain. He was a Boltzmann brain in space. We know that nowhere had a brain in that skull because they were carving out some of that cel celestial brain and spinal tissue. Mm. So I think... While not all uh, beings, advanced beings in the universe were created in the exact image of a celestial body, I guess we're all bipedal in that regard, 
I think we are all made in the image of celestial brains. Right. You guys know in like Westworld how like uh, Anthony Hopkins' character talked about the idea of the bicameral mind, right. and in uh, mm -hmm. Michelangelo's um, uh, Gift of Man uh, painting, the fresco at yeah. the top of the Peter's Basilica, um, the image of God reaching out to touch Adam, he is floating in the shape of a human brain. Mm. And oh, that yes, it was the yeah. idea of the brain is a gift from the gods. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. And so that uh, all celestials designed all bipedal creatures in that same regard. They, mm -hmm. They're not interested in what you look like on the outside as much, but on the inside, we all have that same kind of brain matter, yeah. the same bicameral brain that's like two lobes that are fleshed together with an amygdala and whatever exactly. else is in the brain. Absolutely. Exactly. I don't know like, where I went just now. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> I, I, I 1,000% believe in this. Like, this is something I've been thinking about for a while because the MCU really is tied around the concept of the human brain and like how it is so special. Um, you see it in, in Guardians 2. We see it in, in Iron Man 3. We see it um, in, in the fact that, you know, the Mind Stone seems to be the most powerful of the Infinity Stones. Um, it's like, it's really all about the brain. But like, since we are talking about the soul, I'm going to blow your minds a little bit with this. Do it! Okay. Okay, so we know in, in, in Guardians um, 2 that the whole concept of uh, love um, was how, um, in, in the heart, is how Yondu flew his, his red yeah. energy arrow. Yep. So, like, red energy is love. And your um, in yellow energy is the mind singularity of, of the mind and all that stuff. So red plus yellow is orange. Hold on, MT. <laughs> Back up. The how, how did oh where did we learn that like he used love to harness the He said the it. Yaka arrow. I remember yeah. it, but he did say it. And it was like love and passion makes the arrow fly. I yeah, remember so, him saying. Yeah, that. Like, I love that yeah, so, he's so like, much. He was like, oh, I find the arrow with my and like he he gets covered by eagles rocks and then like um uh Peter has that the flashbacks of his mom and like oh right 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 and then yeah he, yeah, he okay. has the ability to to fight ego. So I think that, okay, so the soul is like what is inside, right? And what is inside the human body? The mind and the heart, mm -hmm. yellow and red. And yellow and red make orange, which is what the soul stone is. And this is what um, Adam Warlock will eventually, I mean, hopefully, um, end up having by the end of Guardians And that's 3. why he's orange. And so, like, you know, I think that, like, he's yellow because the, the, the sovereign deal with yellow, mind stone energy, evolution energy, which is why Rocket, when he first arrived on, on the planet and he saw those batteries, he was like, I know what these things are. Like, I'm very familiar with these because the high evolutionary probably used this on me to evolve my brain. Like this yellow shit, this mind stone singularity shit. Um, and I think that's going to be extremely, extremely important for Guardians 3. Um, and what is going to tie the sovereign narrative to Rocket and the high evolutionary um, is this like the annulex battery evolution energy. Harbulary battery. Har oh, harbulary. Yes, of course. No, harbulary. harbulary. <laughs> MT, I feel like you're Neo in the Matrix, like after he comes back, and rather than just seeing green code, you just see like different infinity stones. Exactly. Code, like, and that's how you distinguish the reality. Literally, like, I only see the MCU through rainbows. It's amazing. Like, what I a way it. to look at the world. <laughs> I feel like the Rolling Stones song, She's a Rainbow. And that's hey. just how you look at everything. Just through beauty and magic. And I hey. wish I could see the world you do. <laughs> the way you do. Um, all right. We actually, uh, before we started rolling, we, we're changing the whole second half of this show. You guys are in for a treat because, like, we realize there's a whole deeper context and questions that need to be answered about uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy that James mm. Gunn has to do by this third one. So we're going to talk about what's going to be next for Peter Quill and, mm. and what's, what story is left to tell for this character. Mm. Um, first, we want to thank Brooklyn for sponsoring this episode. If you're hosting guests for the holidays and you're starting to panic about it, Brooklyn has you covered from gifts for your guests to interior refreshes. Uh, they're the one-stop shop for stepping up any space. 
When it comes to gifts that everyone can agree on, Brooklinen is the way to go. Their luxurious home essentials feel as good as they look and offer something for everyone. Brooklinen has literally won awards for their softest sheets that you've ever, ever felt, but they have way more than just bedding. They also have an expanded collection of home fragrance, the coziest robes, and all the bathroom essentials to make an oasis right at home. They have something for everyone on your list. And with Brooklyn and Rewards Program, it literally pays to stay comfy. With each purchase, you earn points, perks, and insider info on all of Brooklinen's exclusive member events and promotions. On top of all the coziness on the horizon, Brooklinen is offering something extra special for first-time customers. Visit brooklinen.com today and save 15% on your first purchase plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com for 15% on your first purchase. Uh, for 50% on your purchase plus free shipping. Thanks again to Brooklyn and for sponsoring this episode of Inside Marvel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's get into this conversation that we had before. We were talking about like the character of Peter Quill. Right. It seemed like a big chapter of his story, uh, his life story really ended with Yondu's death and finding out that he didn't need to care about his genealogical ancestry to ego. Uh, even like listening to father and son, it felt like a resolve for the character. But you want to have an emotional drive for every character in a story. Otherwise, yeah. they don't need to be in a movie. Right. Um, what do we think is really James Gunn's endgame for Peter Quill and Meredith Quill? Uh, is Meredith Quill going to be the behind the secret, the long-lost missing Easter egg that James Gunn had in these mm. movies? I, uh, I'm stuck on the Meredith Quill part. Oh, sorry. I keep believing that that scene we see, which... We've talked about it, I think, briefly. That scene that we see of uh, the blood and whatever it is and Peter Quill scream crying is going to be of Meredith. I think wow. he's going to some like somehow someone is going to make him actually see what the hot like the room looked like, the oh, hospital shit. room. Whoa. So do you think they down. recreated it or is that this like a yeah. memory yeah. thing? I think it's like, going to be a recreation of it. And <gasps> that's I think so it's messed up. Him. Would be Oh my God, so, that's so messed up. I was like, I don't think it's Rocky. I don't think it's anyone that we've seen yet. I think it's going to be Meredith. He's going to lose his mom again. Yeah. And he turned away before she gassed her dying breath, right? He ran out of the hospital. Yeah. He didn't have to see her actually No, no, like, no he, he was there and then like she died and then like he screamed at her dead body and then she okay, sort of ran away. Remember. Sorry about that. It's Meredith Quill's ghost calling you. He's like, <laughs> give the phone to Jessica. He's like, you're lying, I'm alive. Give the phone to Jessica right now. Um, Peter Quill's, but your question also is like Peter Quill's full story, how he's going to end. Yeah, what more this? story is there to tell? Because I think we're exactly. that without Gamora, uh, mm. other than the search for Gamora, there has to be more to like Peter Quill, especially that they introduced Mantis as his half-sibling. And I right. feel like well, his bloodline is still important in ways we don't know yet. That's what, when you were like, I think this is for Mantis to step up and take the title. Yeah. I think that is maybe like how this is going to be fully rounded for Peter. Because it is like, yeah, the first two movies were about him. Were definitely about him. And then we get the holiday special and we're kind of like, I'm getting more from everyone else. Mm -hmm. Every single other character but him. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, he doesn't really have Gamora. And that storyline's kind of gone. And then his family situation's kind of gone. But we have Mantis now. That is a new part of his family. So I'm like, okay, maybe we're going to start shifting this towards Mantis. Mm. So maybe? Yeah, I, I feel like we're, um, by the end of Guardians 3, there, there was a huge chance that Mantis could take the, the mantle of Star-Lord. Um, because I think that the reason why Peter is called Star-Lord is because... His dad is a celestial star being. Like, so he is the inheritor of the star mantle. So, like, if Mantis also is a star being, she can now carry that, that mantle. And I think that throughout this whole trilogy, James Gunn has sort of been preparing Peter Quill to be a parent, like his mother. Like, mm. sort of just, like, replace that role of, of a fill that void 
um, in his life by becoming like a loving uh, parent figure like his mother was. For Mantis? Mm. So like where Thor is for everyone that has a child, he now has Mantis. <laughs> Basically. Well, like, Mantis is older than he is. Yeah, right. Like, it's emotionally like, more complex than he is. I honestly do think that this movie is going to end with Peter Quill leading that colony of refugees as a leader like he was in the, in the comics. He, he led a planet mm. for a little while. And, oh yeah okay and mantis I is like gonna be that. the guard because we hear in the trailer like the 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 universe still needs its guardians and i think that that's sort of at the end where like he's like all right well i'm retired universe will need his guardian so here's my mask mantis um you can lead a team of hopefully all female guardians because that'd be dope i want lila mantis gamora nebula cosmo space Cosmo. Dog. like it's gonna be, cosmo like, replaces be Rocket. awesome do you um, are you saying that star lord will stay on nowhere and then the rest of them will probably like we're exactly. gonna go find more adventure exactly i think that like the mcu because the, this is like a universe full of actors and actors have other um like commitments and responsibilities the mcu needs a way to put some actors in stasis um, for until Secret Wars or until like they need to bring everybody back again. Like Sebastian Stan in the on ice. Exactly. It's like, all right, you're on ice. <laughs> um, and I think that Peter Quill is just going to be like, all right, I'm going to sit here with like maybe Gamora or like just be by myself and like just chill for a while because I've just been nonstop like being a pirate since I was a youth. And like now I'm just doing action, action, action. I just, I just need to slow down and just like have a family of people that that, that rely on me to protect them. I like that. And so yeah. I think I that'd like be a that. nice end for Peter Quill for a, for a little while until Secret Wars, until everybody picks up the guns and shoots each other. See, yeah, I, think I like that, that. I think I like that idea too, that kind of emotional arc for mm-hmm. Peter Quill. That is kind of the natural course of someone's growth as a mm-hmm. human being, I would say. Um, not to say everyone has to be a parent, but I think Peter Quill obviously had that connection to his parents that he hasn't really fully gotten over. Right. I wonder if there's like something here with like, I don't know. I keep uh, obsessing over the fact that um, Herbert Wyndham, the High Evolutionary, could be could represent what mutant the introduction of mutant kind that Kang represented 100%. the introduction of the multiverse and dual timelines. Like maybe what we've seen in the MCU, the reason we haven't seen so many mutants so far is that there's been someone out there like Herbert Wyndham and his network of people, maybe some kind of deal with the Celestials to um, restrain the expression of the mutant gene mm. that he has been going through in his pursuit of perfection. He has been identifying mutants and just like deactivating the mutant gene mm. in people and that's been preventing their their natural growth from coming mm. about so he's been going person by person and just basically saying no denying their mutant kind uh through like genetic breeding and all of his other experiments so that's going to be the the mission that there's like more of an assassin mission for peter quill to to take that out like i wonder if meredith quill was a mutant and that's mm. why ego gave <coughs> like by giving her that tumor that kind of denied her from being like a badass mutant that she could have been peter quill learns this and he's like so how many other mutants have you stamped out of existence mm. screw that let's mm. uh let's allow mutants to to exist in this universe so he goes and takes out the high evolutionary and now mutants can truly flood that would the be universe. bananas i would really like love to see like like something like that where like he, the, the evolutionary is either messing with humanity to stop mutation or to advance mutation. Um, I personally think it's the latter because like he's all about evolution, but like it would be crazy if like he was just so obsessed with like I want to be the one to figure it out. So like it's gotta be me. I don't care about the celestial plan. It's gonna be my plan and my plan for the universe. And the humans aren't ready because I want to be the smartest human. In the <laughs> yeah, I would have um, wonder. I think the high, the high evolutionary Herbert Wyndham would be like disgusted with the mutant gene because it's mm. chaotic. It's it's mm. in his mind it's uh, contrary to how you breed the perfect species or the mm. perfect being. Because you can't control the mutant gene. It's just going to take right. its own course. Right. So I would imagine him wanting to, like, 
deny the mutant gene from being expressed. But like, if you think again, James Gunn, like this is why I think he wanted Herbert Wyndham to be the the villain of this movie. Is James Gunn is obsessed with the idea of we should embrace our flaws, we should embrace right. our brokenness yeah. and our imperfections. So I think that's going to be the triumph yeah. of this movie is by embracing the ultimate flaw or imperfection. Mm. And what is that in the Marvel world if not mutation? Right. Mm. I, I like it. that. I like that. A I lot. love it. I just love it with having a team and having a character like Nebula. It's like imperfection is perfect. Right. Exactly. Like, Absolutely. That's, that's literally the whole crux of the Guardians team. It's like everybody is flawed and like they come from like really harsh backgrounds, but together they can save the universe. Right. It's, it's freaking dope. And create something sublime and beautiful and something that we need more than anything. Exactly. I think. Um, all right, we'll leave it there for this episode of Inside Marvel. Uh, this is a really lovely conversation. Yeah, like this is we, this in person. <laughs> yeah. we reached so many different layers of um, thought and uh, feelings, and um, I feel like I need to just kind of lie down and yes. process all this. Right you know, now that we're in person, let's do like a, a weird, awkward side group hug. Hooray, we've done Cover it. Cover hands. Yes. I'm already grabbing this hand. <laughs> Look at my boys. Yes. Look at my boys. My boys. My, my boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to follow MT at Mastertainment. Follow Jessica at Lulu underscore Clemens. You can follow me at EA Voss. Be sure to subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow, follow us here on New Rockstars yeah. on YouTube. Thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye, everybody. I love you guys. Yeah. Yeah.